Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators right and that's really what it means to provide for your family is to provide for their future and that's not just a roof over their head and food to eat but that you can train them up teach them provide for them here's where our life is going here's where our family's going here's what it means to live here's what it means to follow god all of that is con- included in the provide. It's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. Know you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast. Because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people, unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? take? Welcome to another episode of the Impossible Life Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nick Service, and I'm looking across at a man so masculine, he sweats pure testosterone. That's right, friends, the former Navy SEAL. Garrett Unklebach, a man who will never have pronouns in his bio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a spicy one. Yeah, we could uh, we could go in a lot of different directions, but we're not going to. There's, now, there's a lot of things I could say about that. There's a lot of things I could just say in general today, but I'm not going to say them. We're going to stay focused. <laughs> we're going to stay the focused. The word of the day is focused on the podcast. I could take some shots at Nick, and I know that's what most of you want to hear. What? But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take Dude, them. Maybe I'll come back to them. Wait, later. how did I get dragged into? I gave you a great intro because today we're talking about the five traits of a. You did. That man. doesn't get you out of it. Dude, get me out of. I'm a little bit. I'm like wondering why me. Let's just me keep in. going. You know what? I'm. 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 Where's the HR department? Okay, <laughs> that's that's my question. That's the, uh, the garbage disposal right over there. Oh, sweet. Well, probably get better conversation out of the garbage disposal than I do from you. So maybe I'll go over there. Anyways, okay. Five traits of a biblical man. Uh, definitely a little bit froggy today. It's gonna be fun. Okay, so. We, we when we're talking about man, like there's this there's this thought process, right? Like what? Yeah, what are we talking wait, about? What today? makes a man? Like okay, and Garrett was like, "Oh man, have you ever heard of this guy?" And I was like, "No." So I look at this guy. You want to talk about like the ultimate man move in World War II? There was a guy named Medicine Crow. Okay, he's I, the, as soon as Nick said this is what we're talking about today. I go, I got your hook. He yeah, he was the last war chief of the Crow Crow tribe, 
And so in order to become a chief, there were some things that you had to do. Well, it just so happened that when he was becoming chief, it was also World War II, and he was over in Europe fighting. So what you have to do to become a chief is you have to, there's three things. You have to lead a war party across uh, enemy lines without losing a man, which he did. And, And the thing is, you know what's crazy about this? He did all these unknowingly. He wasn't trying to pass the chief's test. He just did these things because he was that much of a, of a warrior. So he led a war party across German lines without losing a man. He touched an enemy without killing him. He also disarmed an enemy, and he also stole German soldiers' horses. Yeah, those are all things that you have to do yeah. to become a war chief. Steal a horse from the enemy, touch your enemy, lead a campaign against the enemy without, uh, without losing a man and disarm him. This is like saying, like, hey, we were going to put you through buzz, but it turns out you're already living life harder. Well, so. no, he's, he <laughs> was in, you know, one of the most lethal wars in, in history. And then on top of that, you know, let me just accomplish some epic side quests. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean, though? Because they're like, can you imagine if they're like, hey, uh, so we want to make you chief, but there's some requirements. They go through, he's like, oh, I actually already did all that. Wait, you, I'm sorry, you what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one time, <laughs> like, can you imagine story time? Like, we just make a couple phone calls. Yeah, grab the peace pipe. Get you guys a testimony. Yeah, grab the peace pipe. We're going to sit around. We're going to confirm your references, and uh, we'll come back to you. <laughs> Anyways, all right, so the five traits. I was are, actually uh, slightly disappointed that you hadn't heard that story before. Oh, man, you have some random knowledge. Like, you really do. Garrett, I mean, and when, when people listen to that, they probably think, like, oh, yeah, Garrett knows all this physics. Like, yes, he knows smart stuff, but there's some also really obscure, like, <laughs> pop culture and movies that you're like, dude, you, why did you? Well, I just kind of think, it's kind of like, a, you know, don't drop your phone. It's like, why'd you forget that piece of knowledge? Yeah, but some of the, no- I'm talking about, like, the movie Kung Pao. Like, you have a deep <laughs> knowledge of that movie that, like, you know, why? It's just, it's in your brain, you know? I don't forget a lot of things. Well, yeah, that, clearly. Anyways. All right, so one of the things that sparked this podcast, right? And I want to ask, if you're out there, whether, you, whether you're a man or not, if you're a man, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who taught you to be a man? Yeah. Right? And if you're not a man, aka you're a woman, um, those are your only two options. Think about, think about your dad and the interaction he had with you or if you have a brother or a man that you're close to, a friend. Like, really think about where did that man learn to become a man? And you also have to ask yourself, what makes a man, which is some of what we're going to dive into today. And the reason I say that, the reason I ask that question, the way that God designed things is really, if you read through the Bible, your father, the whole of our religion, if you want to call it religion, the whole of our belief system, the whole of everything that we live for is based on a father-son relationship of God and Jesus, right? And if you look at how God operates throughout the whole of the Bible, it's always that a man is supposed to learn from his father and it's supposed to be passed down generationally. And over and over and over again, we see this broken and we see where fathers have fallen short. And unfortunately, if you look around in America today, I mean, we lead the world in not a good stat, in fatherless homes. Yeah, and and we're it's awful. It is. Awful. We see the fruit of it. It's so obvious. Yeah, we're reaping the war. Ninety-one percent of people who go to prison grew up in fatherless homes. I think you're two more, two times more likely to drop out of high school. You know, there's there's all these different stats that you can go through that show the impact of not having a father. But but the impact that you can't really measure as much is how many fully grown males do we have that are walking around still behaving like boys? Oh yeah. And that to me is like at some point you have to be made into a man. And I think that if you don't act, if you don't have a great father, having a sweating testosterone does not make you a man. It does not make you a man, right? I mean, you're speaking from experience here, but you know, but on a serious note, if you don't, if you don't find either that mentor or that father figure, if you didn't have it from your dad, or you don't find a group of men that really take you under and show you, you're gonna you're gonna look around and just imitate what you see. What we see all the time in kids is that they're great imitators, but not great interpreters, yeah. right? And so that's what we're built on is that we learn by looking around, looking at what's around us. And unfortunately, if you don't have a great father, you don't get those group of men that help you become a man, you imitate what's around you. And so most guys 
end up imitating what they see on TV or somebody they don't know it's, or, or the it's people. It's not just God's next. model with Christ. It's, it was his model with Adam as well. Like, right. Come and walk with me. Yeah, that's exactly right? my and, point. And yeah. in today's world, we have a society where it, it, it always struck me as, as ridiculous, right? And that part of that was because I had such a great father. Right. But at the time of like getting ready to go off to high school, I'm like, wait a second. So a bunch of like knuckleheads are going to go hang out with knuckleheads, and apparently that's how you figure out who you are. Yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. Right, right. I'm. I became. I knew who I was because of spending time with my father, not because of spending time with knuckleheads. And I, I use that word <laughs> jokingly, right? But if you're 16 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old, you don't know who you are, right? Right, and you're not going to discover who you are by hanging out with other 18 year olds or other 20 year olds. Yeah, right. The old, before we, like the traditional model, what we had for thousands of years in history before we came to a world where we live in today is from the time you were a little boy, you just followed your father around and did what he did. And as you became a man and matured into being a man, then you would get responsibility to do things, right? But it wasn't like, hey, just go figure yourself out and right. go go figure out what you believe, go figure out what you want to do. You learned all those things from your father. Yeah, because there's this thought process like, oh, get him to 18, and then you just cut him free. They're not your responsibility anymore, which is such a backwards thing because you're never, your responsibility as a father to sow into your children, to help them develop and to serve, to love, to lead, to protect, provide. It never changes, That's right. right? How you do those things changes as they grow and mature. But it's not like they hit 18 and you're like, okay, cool. That was a, that was a difficult job. Glad that one's over. But like we, you know, if you even get that, you're fortunate. That's mm-hmm. how low the bar is. I, as a man, I've always recognized how low the bar is for men. I think that if you can hold down somewhat of a job, not leave, you know, not abuse anybody, you're considered a good man. And it, and if you think about that, like that's like bare minimum standards, and that's now become that's default minimum standards. I, yeah, and we're gonna talk about standards, but. Anyways, I feel like you and I could probably just make this the whole let's uh, let's talk about <laughs> we could we could talk show for an hour about yeah. society, but we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. But if you remember in the biblical uh, biblical masculinity podcast that we had with Ethan, which was great, it was a two part series. What we really boiled down to was that biblical masculinity is, is boiled down to three things. As a man, you're responsible to pursue, protect, and provide. Right? I would. I say pursue, when you say pursue, G, I say lead, but we talked about it. We mean per, the same pursue thing. Pursue is about pursuing God and mm-hmm. pursuing your wife. Right. Protect is obviously about your ability to like physically protect your family, but that's protect your family emotionally. Yes. Protect your family spiritually. Mm-hmm. Protect your family physically. Right. And and then we have provide, which is about obviously providing a place to live, providing uh, means, providing nourishment, all of those things. But it's also providing vision. It's mm-hmm. providing yes. wisdom. Um, that's First Timothy five eight, by the way, where it says, um, where it says, a man who cannot provide for his family yeah. is worse than an unbeliever. But the word that it, uh, the word that it uses for provide, um, in the Greek, I believe, and I'm recalling here, but I believe is uh, chizon or it's similar to that. I, I believe that's what it is, but it means what, what the Greek word there means. It's not about like just providing money. Right. It's about foresight is the meaning of that word mm-hmm. that you can look ahead and right. determine what your family needs. Yeah. Right. And that's really what it means to provide for your family is to provide for their future. Right. And that's not just a roof over their head and food to eat, Correct. but that you can train them up, teach them, provide for them. Here's where our life is going. Here's where our family's going. Here's what it means to live. Here's what it means to follow God, all of that is included in the provide. Yeah. And one of the big things, like you said, if you're looking ahead for them is to provide them with an identity. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was something I learned from Pastor Keith Kraft. I mean, he's so, (laughs) but I mean, you talk about a guy who's a, who's a father and a spiritual father. I've learned so much of 
what it means to be a father from him. And I remember when he was teaching on that, and he talks about it's like your responsibility is to give your kids an identity. Yep. And so, I mean, how many people actually ever have, unless your last name's like Kennedy or Roosevelt or one of these famous names, Carnegie, you, you, your last name doesn't really mean a lot. Yeah. And so you're not given with this. You, you don't leave home with like, hey, remember who you are. It's like, hey, go figure out who you are, and you happen to have and this I've, last I've, name on you. I've quoted it before, but I'll quote it again. And this is, uh, this is Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa said to Simba, you've forgotten who you are because you've forgotten who I am. Right. Yeah. And so this good. is when we don't, we're not going to know who we are until we know who God is. Yeah. We be- have to know our father. That Mufasa was so wise. I, I never know where you're going to go. Like, I never know if you're going to pull Henry Ford or like some stoic philosopher or a hey, fictional a great, Disney character. Great line from one of Disney's best works. It is. Well, I like how dead serious you say that. Okay. So remember, well, let's tell them what we're talking about yeah, today. Well, we've already told them numerous times, man. I'm glad you're paying attention. Let's get into it. Then. We, we're into it, man. I don't know where you've been. Garrett's on autopilot and still doing a great job. So keep it up. <laughs> so It's um, a good thing this table where you sit like seven feet apart. So. You think this is seven feet? Eh. Anyways, um, so you asked, I remember whenever Garrett was coaching me, right? We're going to get into these five traits. But I remember when Garrett was coaching me, I asked him, like, you always say I used to bring great, great questions. And I had yeah, a ton of them. And I still ask a lot of questions. Um, you know, I just get a lot more abuse with, with the answers. You're not paying me anymore. So <laughs> yeah. no filter. Oh, I, I'm paying, like, emotional debt, like, constantly, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> Now the, you know, that actually pushes me over. Garrett sent me a screenshot recently of one of his friends from the SEAL teams that listens to the podcast. And he's like, yeah, that. Nick's, thank you. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Appreciate you, yeah, bro. Ben, you know, I don't appreciate your comments, man. You know, t- talking about, hey, Nick seems like he's a bit soft. You know, I hope he's on the <laughs> earlier episodes. But anyways, Garrett got a lot. Garrett sent screenshots to me that doesn't send me anything else. Okay. But whenever Garrett was coaching me, the reason I'm telling you the story, I asked him a question. I was like, what do you think the measure of a man is? Because that's a, you know, that's a big question. And I was like, if you ask most people that, I think you'll get a lot of ums and ahs and like probably boil down to a few things about like, you know, he was good, helped his family. You know, that's where I think most people were. And so you, you thought about it for a second and you, you eventually got around to the resiliency and saying, hey, he's the type of uh, the measure of a man is can you yeah. live well, the you, same way? Even there's a, the there's a line from Rud- Rudyard Kipling's right. If, yeah. right? There's actually multiple lines in there. But one, one line in there is if that you could lose it all on a game of toss and chance and begin again. Right. And that's the part that I love. A lot of men build something. They build strength. They build character. They build a family. They build a life. And they, they, they have a fear mindset about that. Yeah. They don't have a belief mindset yes. about that. And they think like, well, I have to make sure I can never lose this because I could never build it again. Right. And what I think is a, a strong man, one, knows that he could get up and build it again or that he would build. Even if you say like, I couldn't build that again, I'll build something right. of value again. You, have, you, have, you see the value in what you can build. The other part of that is I think it's the most masculine quality. It's a heroic quality, right? Like we almost idolize these men who have given their life for their country. Men like Mike Murphy, like Michael Monsoor, who jumped on a grenade to save his team's life. And to me, this is also very similar to Hebrews 11.13, where scripture says that many of these men, these men all died, or these people all died, having not received the promise, Right. right? And they actually saw the promise in eternity. Right. But they died believing in it. Mm-hmm. And most men are so like outcome focused. I need I need, you know, microwave mindset of I need it right now. Yeah. Instead of no, I can give my entire life to a process. Yeah. Right? You want to build something great. 
be someone who can dedicate your entire life to something, you'll build something very special. Yeah. Right. But if you can't go more than five minutes without needing a, a, a gold star or a scratch and sniff, sti- scratch and sniff sticker, That's right. Like my daughter likes to have, if you can't go more than five minutes without getting one of those, you're not going to accomplish anything very great. So you're telling me I'm not going to get a gold star for putting up with you all these years. You know, maybe you'll get one in heaven, but you won't get one for me. Well, shoot. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, when you answered that, I remember I was like, man, because you talked about it. You're like, could you be the type of man that was that you knew were, were going to almost certain death, but still hold the line and be the same way? And I was like, and I, I won't go yeah. into it today, but I have a story of one of my friends who essentially walked through that and saved another man's life, even though he knew he was going to die. And he ended up not dying, but he was certain because of his wounds that he would. And it was honestly miraculous that he didn't die. Um, but it, uh, you know, as he was facing death, he said, I'll still give. Mm. Yeah, man, that's powerful. I hope that moves you guys. All right, G. Well, we, uh, we want to be short and sharp here with our points and, and give people, the, give people the good stuff. So the five, five needs, these are not in any particular order, right? These are just five traits of a biblical man. You yeah. Know? Okay. So, and I would, I, yeah, these are five traits that I wanted to put They're not, they're, these are top traits for sure. Right. I could do more than this, but these, I think are some of these are the ones we want to talk about today. I think these, if you have these, if you have all of these, you are certainly a high quality man. Yeah. Right. So let's jump into the first one. Um, why don't you, you have a, you have a, you actually have an interesting story. Yeah. About this one. Why don't you enter well, this one? Nick? Yeah. So this is low need. The, the number one is low needs. And you may be like, what do you mean low needs? And we're going to go more into it. But where I first encountered this, and this is so much of mine and Garrett's story, is that Garrett will say something. And I'm amazed sometimes that you say things. I don't know what if it's a, it must be a God thing because they just jump off. off. It's your learner. Yeah, yeah, it is my learner. Because sometimes you say things and I'm like, oh, man. Anyway, so we were at a camping trip. This was Garrett's first camping trip leading the Mighty Men. This was my first camping trip when I was coming out here from California. And as your dad likes to remind me, I was incredibly oh, soft man, at the time. So yeah, soft. Yeah. Scott Hucklebach's favorite thing. Man, you were soft. Uh, I can hear it in my head permanently. Um, which is, as he always points out to me, is a compliment because it, it, it indicates that I'm not now. But, you know, he just likes to spend a lot of time just talking about how, so, how soft I was. So I'm sitting there. And the reason I bring that up is actually because it's relevant. Garrett was like still in Navy SEAL mode at this point, and we had finished our 14 mile kayak hike or kayak uh, canoe <laughs> canoe row, which was fun in his mind. We it was like seven and a half hours, no joke, that we like went out. Well, for we got on the river. The river wasn't moving as fast as it should have been. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was one way to get off the river, and it was to finish and at, get to the end as so. fast as possible. And like, and you think, oh, we're gonna get back and have some rest time? No, it was get back refill your waters and get down to the campfire. He had, you've been, like, now you've been on that river and seen when it, sometimes you're on the river oh, and yeah, it's really moving. fast, yeah. but not that day. It was fun. It was fun. It was very tiring, but that was the point. This, this trip was like, we were moving everywhere. We didn't have any downtime. It was like, you need to be here. We get back, grab your stuff. You've got five minutes. Don't be late. And it was like, it was legitimately felt a little bit uh, like a military exercise. It was great. So anyways, Garrett was talking about this. He was talking to all of us. And I remember he said this and it just jumped out at me. He said, I don't want to be the kind of person that needs a lot of things in order to be happy. And you said, I want to be the type of person, like I like nice stuff and I know you now, I know how much you enjoy nice things, but you said, I want to be the type of person that could be sl- sleeping on the ground in the middle of the desert or uh, one day and be in the Ritz Carlton the next and be just as happy in both places. And I remember when I heard that, I was like, man, that is so good. I think it's an extremely masculine quality and, it, and the real... You could just say like mask. Well, I don't, I don't want to do that stuff. Right. Like, well, I don't want to sleep in the desert either. Right. Right. And I will say like some of that ideal for me came from watching James Bond as a character 
uh, when I was younger. What I loved about him is it's like one day he'd be like, you know, in on a beach at the nicest resort. And then the next day he's in the mountains. So he goes from the heat to the cold. And then the next day, like, and he's in like a nice resort driving a nice car. And then the next day he falls out of an airplane and right. he's walking across the Sahara in a tuxedo. And he's like, well, just another day, you know, he, he wasn't bothered by circumstance. That's part of what low needs to me means. But the other part of low needs is if your needs are so high, right. then you need a lot before you can help anybody else. Yeah. And I like having low needs to me, I learned in the military as well. It's like, man, I can be cold. I can be hungry. Like I don't need much. Yeah. Right. I can do a lot with a little. And I think that's part of what being a strong man is. Yeah. Right. That you don't need very much. You know who has high needs? My children. Yeah. Right. You have children too. They won't always be that way because they're my children and I'll, I'll help them grow and mature. But like having high needs, like all these things that you need to have before you, you can help anyone else, all these things that you need to have before you're comfortable, before you feel okay, before you throw a fit, whatever it is, all these things that you need before whatever, uh, it just limits you as a man. So when you have really low needs, you have high capacity. Yeah, no, I think that's very well said. Let's just hope your kids don't need gold stars because I'm guessing there's not going to be too many of those given out around the Uncle Buck house as well. You know, my dad always said, don't expect me to clap for you for what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and I I agree with that. I remember I heard you guys the first time talking about how we, we don't do it. Like, they do awards for service in our church. And I remember you and your dad were both like, Mighty Men won't participate in that. We don't need awards. We're doing what we're supposed to do. If you need an award to do that, you're in the wrong place. And I was like, okay, well, I guess it's like, cool. That was my welcome to Mighty Man. Anyways, uh, point number two, G, clear priorities, right? Yeah. The, what's the opposite of clear priorities is unclear priorities. Right. And a man who doesn't have clear priorities, he's trying to do everything and accomplishing nothing. Right. Right. Clear priorities for a man. You're going to get like guaranteed as a man, guaranteed as a woman, just guaranteed as like uh, an adult person. You live long enough. You're going to get put in situations that test your priorities. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know your, if you don't know your priorities before the test, you're probably going to make an emotional decision during the test. You're going to be more frustrated with why you don't know the answer than coming up with the right answer. Yeah. Right. Clear. It's going to, it hurts either way when you get put when you get forced to make a priorities decision, right? Cause you're usually let of some, let it having to let something go. That's also important to you. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you can't say, this is why this is more important than this. If you just, well, I just like everything. Mm -hmm. I'm not hating on compassion, right? You need both love and law. You need both strength and warmth. You need to have both of these things. And if you just try to like over compassion, well, I just love all of it the same. You try to love all of it and you'll actually end up loving none of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, and then this is Jesus, right? This is Luke, uh, Luke 14, I forget the verse, but this is Luke 14, where Jesus says, you must hate your father and mother to follow me. Well, you must hate your brother and sister um, to be my disciple. And what is he really saying? He's saying, if you don't love me more, that's, yeah. that's actually the point of that verse, because that can be a verse in the Bible where you're like, wait, what is Jesus saying? I have to hate my father and mother to be Jesus's disciple. What he's saying is you have to love me more. Right. We have to have clear priorities as followers of Christ, right? As a man, you have to have clear priorities. If you can't say this is what's number one in my life, this is what's number two, this is what's number three, you're just trying to love everything and you'll end up loving nothing. And you know what's interesting is if you don't have that clear priorities, what will actually end up you'll prioritize is the things that drive you will be emotional. And usually it's fear-based. That's and it's I, the things that are the loudest. Yeah. yeah right. That's so I mean. sometimes it's your emotions that are loudest. Other times it's other people that are the loudest, the people that complain right. the most. Right. Right. Like if you want to be, as we've talked about before in the podcast, unprovocable, right. part of that comes from clear priorities. Right. I know what my priorities are. No one can change those. You, you yelling at me, someone getting really upset, 
uh, me, me feeling emotions, none of that's going to change my priorities. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like, I think for most men, the thing that takes their priorities is work. Yeah. Right. And you kind of wonder, well, where does that come from? Does it come from a need for significance or is it a fear of not having enough money? You know, like there's, that's what I mean. All these things uh-huh. can push on you that are driving you and you're like, oh, my family is really important. And you don't realize like what you're doing. And that's, uh, so I just wanted to kind of highlight that. All right. Point number three, G. High standards. High standards. The opposite of that would be to have uh, what I would say is default standards. And the way, the way that this happens, right, your standards are the, like the minimum that you're willing to tolerate. Yeah. And if you have a default standard and you, don't, you haven't clearly defined your minimum standard as well as your ideal standard, you're going to be the type of person that questions nothing and you accept anything, right? Because people can come along and say something to you and you're like, well, that makes sense. And, and it, things become normalized. And it, what becomes normalized, you don't question. And what you don't question, you know, just sort of happens. And that's how a lot of people's standards happen. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about podcasts. Uh, I mean, we talked about uh, standards uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast in winning culture, right? I think yes. that's when we talked about it. So, yeah. But I just want to bring it up again because it's certainly worth repeating. You've got to have an ideal standard right. for your life, right? For you as a man, for what your life looks like, for what your marriage looks like, you've got to have an ideal standard. This is what I'm after. This It's not only what I believe is possible, it's what I believe is attainable, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, I want to push beyond my ideal standard. I'm reaching for what's what like the edge of what's possible. But your standard should be what's completely within your grasp, right? You'll make mistakes sometimes. Sometimes it rains. Sometimes there's traffic. Sometimes there's whatever right? You have your ideal standard. Mm -hmm. You also have to, this is like why a lot of people are late is because their ideal standard is to show up right on time. That's why they're late all the time. Yeah. Right. Your ideal standard should be to be 15 minutes, 15 minutes early. And your like absolute minimum standard is I'm one minute early. Right. Right. That should be your standards. Right. So you have to have a high ideal standard, but then you also have to set a minimum standard. If you just have an ideal standard, it's literally when you don't have a a minimum standard, you don't have something bringing up the rear of your standard. It's just this like lofty Mm -hmm. thing in the sky that I'm, oh, you know, I tried today. Right. Right. Like how, how masculine is that? You know, I tried. Not at all. Yeah. No. You, this is what I know I'm going to do that you can control. There's a lot of things that you can't control, but you see men like it's clear when men don't just have an ideal standard and they don't have a high minimum. They don't have a set minimum standard. If you can, you can maintain your standards if you want to, if it's a priority to you. Yeah. Right. And why would it be a priority to you? Because this is your ability to lead others. This is your ability to lead yourself. Yeah. This is your ability to be useful and effective, right? If you don't have a standard for cleanliness in your car, it's one of the first things that early on, my dad, um, I would say lovingly beat into me because my dad didn't physically beat me, but he lovingly beat it into me and how much he talked about it, how much he reminded me, uh, that you, you take care of your stuff. And he didn't, he didn't just say it. He demonstrated it, Mm -hmm. right? I always watch my dad growing up, take good care of his stuff. And he taught me to do the same, but then you get in somebody's car that they're like, Oh, sorry, man, I forgot to clean my car. What you were just going to clean your car because I was going to ride with you. So that it's acceptable for you, for your car to normally be this dirty, right? Your, what your standards in life is really what you're going to get, right? If you want to show up on time, time, have a standard for it. If you want to be physically fit, have a standard for it, right? It's not just something that you're after. It's what you're willing to accept. Yeah. And underlying all that is that you have a sense of purpose or a vision for something that you want, because otherwise, why would you have standards? I mean, we touched on that in winning culture. I think one of the things that is inherent in all these things, and it's really something that you, you touched on uh, in many podcasts ago, you always said that like the four words that tell me I'm weak is I had no choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I was going to just sum this up in one thing about 
being masculine that is in all these things is that you always employ your superpower of choice. You never surrender that. And yep. that, cause, cause in all these things we're saying at some point, if you accept the fact that you've chosen things, uh, you've chosen less than that, that's an ownership. When you're saying I had no choice, you're also it's the same as saying I'm a slave. Yeah, exactly. Which that's about the weakest, least masculine thing you could do is to completely surrender and just, and just be like, well, I have no power here. It's, you, you know, being a the, man. The only thing that I will ever surrender to is God. For sure. I'm going to sur- surrender to Christ and his will, and I'll surrender to nothing else. Right. Love that. All right, G. Four is one that I think you are you have a lot to say on. Uh, so, But warrior mindset is something that you've talked about this a is lot. A, um, this is like you could do a whole podcast on this, but we're just talking about five qualities that of a biblically masculine Five qualities of a godly man. We've got low needs, clear priorities, high standards, and a warrior mindset. Why is and and we, you know we always try to say everything on the podcast from a perspective of like this pertains to everyone. It's yes. not just some men. It's not just military Correct. men. This is for everybody, right? Right. So why is warrior mindset a part of that? Well, there, there's a difference between a lot of people encounter what I call savages and think that's what it means to be a warrior. You got a lot of savages out there who are really good at doing battle. Right. Right. They're good at fighting others. They're good at taking ground. They're getting what good at getting what they want out of life. But savages fight only for themselves. Mm. Right. Warriors are different than a savage in that warriors fight for others. Warriors have a heart for others. Warriors actually fight out of compassion. Mm. Right. Someone has to protect these people. Someone has to protect my family. Someone has to help this situation, make this situation better. When you have a warrior mindset, you'll look at problems in the world and say, you know what? If it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm -hmm. A warrior mindset looks at issues in your family and says, I didn't cause this problem, but I'm going to solve this Mm -hmm. problem. So good. Right. If you don't have a warrior mindset as a man, you're basically an inert man, Mm -hmm. meaning you're useless, right? You're good at taking up space. I can clean up my own stuff. I can take care of myself. That's a young boy. Right. Right. But uh, eventually as a man, you have to mature into being a warrior saying, I'll go fix problems. I'll go fight giants. I'll go kill dragons that the world needs me to do. Right. This and this is who we are as sons. Right. As sons of God, God sends sons to the earth to solve problems, to restore order. He gives us the opportunity to, you know, we were Nick and I were just having this conversation with uh, somebody else in one of the programs that we're in about how hard it can be to hire employees sometimes. Right. Because you have high standards as a business. It's hard to hire employees. And I, I, I reminded them of this, and, and maybe this is for somebody who's listening. I said, you know, I, as hard as it is, because I've dealt with it too, as hard as it is, is to let somebody wear your name and wear your brand. Um, and that's in, and especially if you have a high standard for your, what it means to be a part of your team, um, it's hard to let someone do that. But think about what God's done with us. Yeah, no we're, we're total idiots compared to God. And he lets us represent him. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of poor representatives out there. I want to be a great representative yes. of Christ, right? And a warrior is what's going to be a great representative of Christ. What did Christ do? He came to serve and he ended up sacrificing his own life to love and serve other people. Right. Right. So a warrior, to be a great man, you have to have a warrior mindset. And a warrior mindset says, what can I do for others? I'm willing to fight for others. I'm willing to serve others. I'm willing to sacrifice for others. Yeah. And I think it's easy for men to be like, yeah, I'll fight for others. Like, cause that sounds so heroic, but you've talked about this at length elsewhere, like in mighty men. And you talked about one of the biggest difference between a savage and a warrior is love. And most people don't think of love as like an enabling superpower for a warrior. But you talked about it. It's what will cause you to go way deeper. It's, a, it's the most powerful force that will cause you to go beyond Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. It's the only thing that will cause you to go beyond yourself. Right. Because 
if you're a savage, you would never sacrifice yourself for other people. Right. You'll throw other people in front of bullets for yourself, right? right? As a savage, but as a warrior, you would lay down your life for other people. Compassion drives the warrior, but there's another part of the warrior. Don't think having compassion makes you a warrior, mm. right? Because to be a warrior, you also have to be strong and prepare to be a warrior. There's a lot of people who would lovingly throw themselves out there on the battlefield and be useless, mm-hmm. right? As a man, you have to train, mm-hmm. you have to be in shape and not just physically. You need to be in shape physically. You need to be in shape mentally. You need to be in, sp- in shape spiritually so that you can be deployed and be effective on the battlefield with your compassion, yeah. be useful, uh, be compassionately useful, right? In your compassion. Don't just be someone like, well, I just got a big heart. So I'm going to put myself out there. It's both as a warrior yeah. that you have both strength and compassion. And that, I mean, that would actually go back to the other trait we talked about with priorities. Like you really do need to prioritize. I mean, it's a PKism again, <laughs> Pastor Keith, you know, the best thing you give others, the people you love is a healthy, healthy you. you. Right. Uh, and one so, of my favorites. But you, yeah, it is. But you don't really think about that. You know, like you can be the martyr that dies on your sword. Like, oh, I'm just trying to provide for everybody else. So I, I've just been grabbing what's convenient, not exercising. And it's like, no, you need to, if you have clear priorities, you need to understand that you're going to be a, a burden on those people at some point. So, gee, the obvious one that we've not touched on, and we did like, we, these were not in any particular order, but strong relationship with God, right? I mean, if you're going to talk about the five top traits of a biblical man, it's always, you have to have a strong relationship with God. If you look at who David, like you want to talk about being a great man. Um, David is a great example in the Bible. There's only one person talked about in the Bible more than David and that's Jesus, right? right? So there's a reason that so much time is spent on David. His life is a model, his, his choices and his thinking, his, um, his upbringing, his adulthood. It's, there, there's so many models and templates in David's life. And I love like who David was as a young man. He just spent a bunch of time by himself and he spent a bunch of time with God. And in, in his time that he that he had freedom in, he didn't use it for himself. He used it to worship God through his developing a deep relationship with God. That's where God was able to use David to do mighty things. David wasn't the biggest. David wasn't the strongest. David wasn't the smartest. He wasn't the anythingest. But David was a man who had a heart after God. And that's why Psalm 78, I love this verse. It's Psalm, I believe, verse 72 says that God used David to shepherd his people for the skillfulness of his hand and the integrity of his heart. Because David had a heart that was right with God, God could use use David in a mighty way. If you want to be useful, if you want to be deployed as a man, you have to have a deep relationship with God. We don't need any more men that have a knowledge of God. We mean we need men who have a relationship with God. And you know why it'll make you a great man? It's not like, well, I just got to submit. You do. You do you do need to surrender. But just like my, through me having a great relationship with my father, it made me a great man. You having a great relationship, us having a great relationship with our heavenly father mm-hmm. is what makes us the best man that we can possibly be. 100%, man. You have to, I mean, like we talked about, that's the whole model of how God made it to be is that you learn from your father. Right. Well, we all have a heavenly father. And if you're not spending time with him, and you don't know him. How are you ever going to be the man you were made to be? Very, very simple. All right. So once again, the five top traits, as we said, not in any particular order, is low needs, clear priorities high standards, warrior mindset, and a strong relationship with God. And Garrett's flexing. That's <laughs> what a way to end. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon.
Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plunges should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.